Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Faster Masters Rowing Radio, the show dedicated to helping masters have more fun, fitness, and enjoyment out of their rowing. I'm Rebecca Caro, and I'm joined by Marlene Royal. Hello, Rebecca, and hello to the Faster Masters Rowing Radio audience. (laughs) And as you can see, I'm not in my regular studio today, so you'll just have to bear with me as the sun comes up and the light gets better and um, you'll then hopefully be able to see my face. So I am down in uh, Dunedin in the South Island of New Zealand because this week is the um, South Island Masters Championships. And so I'm down here because I'm racing thanks to the generosity, firstly, of Cambridge Rowing Club, who are doing composite crews, and secondly, Otago University Rowing Club, who are doing uh, loaning us some boats and generously allowing another club to use their trailer so that that club can take our boats on their trailer to the regatta. So go figure. Wow. So how far how far is Dunedin from Auckland, Rebecca? Uh, two hours flying, um, probably. Oh, two, so you fly down there. Okay. That, oh, that's, yeah, yeah. That's it's, a big it's distance. <laughs> opposite ends of the country. Yeah, it's oh, probably, I don't know, 800 miles or something. Yeah. So we flew down yesterday. And uh, yeah, the regatta, it's, it's a nice regatta. The, unlike the North Island champs, which is run on a multi-lane course, the South Island do it differently and they move around from club to club each year. So you're rowing on different mm-hmm. waters and their regatta takes the form of a long distance race on the first day, which is usually five to eight K, only in quads and eights. Mm-hmm. And then you pack up usually that's at a different venue and then you pack up your um boats and go to wherever the side by side regatta which is on the next day um so yeah it's uh so we're starting we're going to be racing down the Tairi, which is the name of the river and we're going through the Tairi gorge which is a particularly beautiful scenic part of the country which despite having lived here for two years i've never actually been down the t- the gorge part i've been on different parts of the river so i'm really looking forward to that and then we're going to lake wahola which is a lightly tidal inland lake um and the weather forecast is good for tomorrow and for the weekend so um unlike today where it's raining and windy and Right, right. Hopefully it'll be better in the gorge. But but that I think that's interesting. And for for those listening at different clubs, you know, it's so interesting when there's different racing formats. I mean, that's something we talk about um, from time to time on Faster Masters Rowing Radio. But um, having these creative formats and, you know, this reminds me a little bit like the Heineken regatta in Amsterdam, right? Where they race, oh, yeah. they raced a sprint and then they race a 1K and then they race a 5K, you know? And so the winner is the accumulation, you know, whoever accumulates um, the, the most or the least points, however they, they counted, I don't remember exactly, but, um, you know, whoever has the best performance over all three events is, yeah. is the winner in the events. And it's all in this case, um, bigger boats, I believe. It's all fours, quads, or eight, so they don't have small boats. But I think it sounds like a really fun format. But racing in one club one day and then going to another club the, the next day, you know, it's a little little bit like tour to ski and Nordic skiing, where each day they race at a different location. But sometimes they're they're actually changing countries, like from Italy to Switzerland to the Czech Republic to you know France, wow. and and they do it over twelve days around uh, Christmas time. 
wow, that's quite something. I yeah. like the idea of traveling and then having some, yeah, some fun, really different things going on. Yeah, there are different events, sprint events, and then there's a marathon, and then there's a 10K, and then there's a team sprint, and, you know, it changes every day. So I think that that's, but I think it sounds really fun for rowing. You've got to train to be able to good at, to be good at all three events. Oh, you do. You definitely have to. Yes, that's exactly it. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's pretty good. And they always have a it's a, a holiday weekend. This is called Queen's Birthday Weekend. So Monday is a holiday. So they always have a very big Sunday night party as well. Yeah. Well, here in Canada, we had the Victoria Day last weekend oh. named after Queen Victoria. So um, it was our holiday weekend <laughs> last week. And in the UK, they've got a special extra holiday now for the Platinum Jubilee of Her Majesty, which uh, is, uh, um, it's going to be splendid. Um, they, uh, there are yeah, street parties and all sorts. It's a four-day national holiday, I think. Yeah. Our, our government have given us, a, haven't given us an extra holiday for the Queen. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they haven't, I, I don't think they give, have given us an extra, extra day off in Canada, but they are streaming like the whole big four-day yeah. event, you know, starting at 5 a.m. live on Saturday. <laughs> so. yeah, Canada was the first Commonwealth country where the Queen is no longer the head of state, is she? No, no, the Queen is still the head of state. Oh, I thought they, I maybe so. it was just the medal system, because you have the Canada medal instead of having MBEs and knighthoods and things, don't you? Yes. I, hmm. Yeah, I, I, we'll have to go and look that one up. Yeah, I used we'll to go... work for a Canadian charity uh, called Families for Children that ran an orphanage in Bangladesh. And the woman who founded it got the Canada medal, uh, Sandra Simpson. She was an amazing lady, um, incredible vision and energy. And I, I remember being told about this and understanding that Canada had slightly separated itself from its British uh, um, history, I suppose. Well, you know, in, in the Canadian passport, it says that you are a subject of the Queen. Oh, well, maybe I'm wrong so, about that. Right. Maybe we're still in. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe we're still in. Yeah, we can dream. Now, the topic we've picked for this week is fundraising. It just seems very topical because I, as people who listen regularly know, I offer a, a concierge service where I can answer any questions that people want to put to me. And it's a, just a short Zoom call. And I have had several recently where people have come through and asked questions that are relating to uh, raising funds for clubs and or growing club membership. And so we'll do membership um, uh, recruitment uh, another time. But for fundraising, it's a very particular area because like most you know, sporting societies, the you know most clubs run on a reasonably tight budget. There are various pressures on what you spend your money on and some organizations can apply for grants and loan funding and others are just dependent on dues from members, membership subscriptions and so on. So I thought we'd just spend a little bit of time today just talking about fundraising in the context of overall running a club. Now, I wanna kick off with uh, the beginning piece is really about your club strategy. If you have not got a clearly stated strategy for your organization, fundraising is really hard to do because there's no context. 
I'm not going to go into detail about that now, but we have done episodes in the past about setting a strategy first, and that's really important because the strategy sets the expectations both for the members, but also for what members are expected to do. And if volunteering to support fundraising activities, obviously that's you know, got to be part of it. Otherwise, people will, won't be supportive of your efforts. Where I come from in the UK, club fundraising was done mostly in the form of running regattas and in a most clubs ran a winter and a summer regatta. The winter regatta would be a long distance race of some variety and the summer regatta would be a side by side event. And most clubs managed to do this literally on the water plumb outside their building. And they were accepted whatever they were. You didn't need to have a particularly straight river. You did need to be able to get at least two boats side by side and with enough room for a return lane. So in the UK, there are local regattas which go round corners, some of which have staggered starts because the bend favours one lane over the other. Some, I was having a, there was a conversation on Twitter with Phil Simmons last night where he was saying, I remember Hereford regatta and uh, Hereford glorious cathedral city in the west country and I also remembered Hereford regatta but my memories were somewhat different than his in that I remember you started with two boats side by side and you had there was a bridge after around three or four hundred meters and you had to get to the bridge first because there wasn't enough room under the mm -hmm. bridge span to have two fours side by side without them hitting each yeah, other. Yeah so you're racing for the gorge right? or for the bridge. <laughs> yeah so if you're listening to this and your club does not yet run a regatta event, do look at it as a, a sort of linchpin of fundraising. Because if you can run them locally, just for local clubs, think about how you might structure the regatta to appeal to the membership in your geography. So what I mean by that is, if people might be prepared to travel to your club, but you want to have a regatta at a time when their trailer isn't available. Could you organise a regatta where you provided the boats? Go and have a look at the memberships of the clubs nearby. Are they mostly high schoolers? Are they mostly um, masters? Because an awful lot of clubs nowadays have juniors and masters and not very much in the middle. Could you run a regatta for kids in their first year of rowing where they're not yet considered good enough to go to the multi-lane events. So there was a very successful regatta run in the south of England that was deliberately for children under the age of 14 and they ran it as a get some experience type regatta. Mm -hmm. It was only ever in coxed quads. The boat stayed on the water, the kids swapped in and out. If you didn't have enough children for a boat, the regatta organisers would find you an extra one or two. And secondly, there was another regatta we used to do, which was at Pangbourne, where it was in singles, but it included uh, skills. So the mm -hmm. kids did little races. They had mm -hmm. to then do a turn your boat on, on the spot in a circle and you got timed. They had um, various other little skill drills that they had to do to get you know, an accumulation of points. So a regatta 
think of it as more than just straight lane racing. Have you ever attended any of those, Marlon? Sort of fun events? No, I've never done anything like that. And uh, but but I like the idea of um, even skills competitions. Like honestly, years years and years ago at the um, women's colleges like Wellesley or Smith College, a long long time ago, they had women's they had women's rowing. They were some of the first colleges women's colleges in New England to have rowing, and they didn't race in a straight line but they had style competitions so they actually had competitions where like figure skating where you were graded on your entries you were graded on your rhythm um granted that this goes a a ways back however Mm. possible right also something i mean if you want to just create a, a fun event or something to attract people um from from your local mm. area, for example, the Maine Rowing Association um, years ago ran summer head races, which in in the east coast of the United States there really aren't summer head races. So having some summer head races to go to were quite fun, and they used to do one called the Maine State Championships, where you you race this five k course, but you were racing a triangular course, oh. so you're racing around three buoys. So the start was, again, the finish. Once everybody finished the 5K race, they would row up to another start line and do the killer meter. And so as soon as, ev- as, soon as everybody <laughs> finished, they would everybody who was in the race, um, this was mostly singles at that time, would then row up to another start line. And in, in like one big wave, they would race 1,000 meters down. So... It was kind of like a 5K plus a 1K. So that, again, another racing format. But um, but I think wow. just be, you know being creative, thinking of it in terms of what kind of rowing event might we hold on the water that we can attract clubs from our, our nearby area. Um, like, for example, Community Rowing in Boston started the CRI Classic, which is a race that's held in September, late September, on the head of the Charles course. So yeah. that, te- that tends to attract a lot of people from the New England area who are planning to row the head of the Charles. And now it doesn't mm-hmm. have the buoys up exactly like the head of the Charles, but you're still start line and finish line are in the same places. So, you know, that's a good example of, of a race that can help you get ready for another race. And um, Riverside Boat Club holds what are called the head of the Kevins and there's three of oh, them yes. there's of three them. of them before the head of mm-hmm. the Charles and they're they're I believe that they're invite only uh races because they only have a certain number of people that they can put down the course at one time but but you seed yourself according to time and mm. then you row you know they the fastest start first but and then they they basically race a time trial over the head of the Charles course. But hopefully, if you seated yourself correctly, you're among people with um, similar. similar speed who are competitive you, with you. But again, that's a self-organized regatta by Riverside Boat Club that started many, many years ago. Um, that has become a, a very, you know, people want to be able to get in if they've got to know somebody at Riverside Boat Club, right, to get in. But that's another event. Um I don't know if there's any entry fees to that race, actually. Um, but 
if you made such a race a fundraiser or something that builds into a bigger event that might be held in your area yeah. is also a good idea. Yeah, on the Tideway, um, I know that uh, Thames Tradesman used to have the um, Yanisek Falls, which was before the Falls head of the river race. And similarly, uh, Tideway Scullers used to have the Tideway Scullers singles head before the um, Scullers head of the river. One of our British watchers is saying Hereford is a great straight course. There's enough room through the bridge. Clearly, I was a beginner rower and they were having me on and I fell for it. And I've believed it to be true all these years. Super regatta, great visibility to watch racing from the bank. Granted, there are headquarters in the UK where you cannot get through bridges side by side. That is definitely true. So if you want to raise, you can you can raise several thousand pounds, dollars, whatever your local currency is, by running a regatta. There is no question, particularly if you add on food, drink if it's allowed, um, and raffles and, and things around it. It's definitely worth it. If there are local um, organisations who might like a trade show tent, they don't have to be rowing businesses. We've had them. There, are, There's, you know, the tiny house movement. There was mm -hmm. an organisation who brought a tiny house up um, one time because they thought that you know, people who went to regattas were the sort of people who maybe wanted one of those in their in their back garden. Um, so definitely worth doing. It is it is work, um, but it is also a super a super fun thing to do, particularly with something that is non-standard. Here in this country, racing has got more and more standardised into straight lane racing, and there are fewer and fewer of these um, alternative, slightly less traditional races. And my belief is that particularly for masters, masters team up well with juniors for regatta purposes. So it allows you, if you wanted, to do parent and child racing or to do adult and junior racing, to do some, a lot of masters are parents, so they're bringing their kids to the regatta anyway. If mm -hmm. the boat club is bringing a trailer of boats, putting a couple of extra boats on for the masters, you know, is not a big inconvenience. So I do commend you to look at having something, a small friendly, you know, even if it's just your local clubs just in your area and treat it as an extended training session rather than a regatta per se. Um, and with a, you know, a small donation to, you know, to participate. I do commend you to look at that as a good start for fundraising for a, for a club. Moving on to other kind of little things, a lot of clubs like to do kind of little and often fundraising. And these are the sorts of things that will make you a few hundred pounds or dollars, but which can usefully be used to offset small repairs, buying replacement oar locks, shoes, you know, the things that wear out in your boat, maybe putting petrol in your towing vehicle. Um, I have been in clubs where they had a separate bank account for regatta entries mm -hmm. and they charged us 20p or 50p, which would be a dollar for putting your entries in um, so that there was, you know, they were making very small increments as a sort of service fee. And they said that that was, you know, that that paid for the, the maintenance on, on the trailer uh, mm -hmm. over the year. What other small things have you been in well i think you know honestly little little things like 
um, if you live somewhere where there is a return on bottles, for example, oh. um, people bringing in bringing in their bottles or their cans that have deposits from home and that money, I mean, that money going into a petty cash fund, because say, say you have deposit bottles that are worth 10 cents or 15 cents over time. And if the whole club kind of donates those bottles to the petty cash club, um, petty cash fund for the club over time, that again, that's another thing that can add up, you know, it's maybe a dollar here, $2 here. But if you have a, a very, very large club and you have a deposit and you have some, you know, some part of a volunteer duty is someone takes the, the bottles and cans to the depot and then cashes that in, you know, that can be a small little, little often type of a project that could work um, to cover some of these, these petty cost funds. We used to have a, a lost property box where people leave clothes all around boathouses all the time. And uh, once a year, the um, they would say, right, take all your gear, because we had a drying room as well. And they said, remove all your gear, otherwise it's going. And someone would take them home, wash everything, and then sell them. And so I remember walking around the club and seeing a young lass wearing a pair of my leggings. That I <laughs> right. forgot. You forgot that those were there. They look better on her than they did on me, so that was fine. But it, you know, it was a nice small fundraiser, and um, some of the uh, members of the club who had more clothing than they needed donated their clothing, you know, for the for the kit sale. Um, and it was quite funny because we had people who had, you know, rode internationally, so you'd see these teenagers rowing, walking around in leggings that were way too long for them, and they tucked them uh -huh. into their shoes. <laughs> uh, but well, they or, said Great or... Britain, you know, on the leggings. <laughs> Yes, or having, you know, uh, um, for the club members, for example, having something that is, you know, do you have objects and things that you don't use anymore that we can sell at a rummage sale? Or say these days you you could you could sell those things on an online site and the and the proceeds yeah. could go to the club. I think it's probably even easier now. But that's a that you know that could be a. Um, a spring and fall event where, you know, people, you know, clean out their closets and, um, you know, donate yeah. objects, things that could be sold. And then the proceeds again, go into a fund for the club. You know, this is a little fundraiser, but things like that can, you know, if you've got a few things like that, they can add up. Um, Things like, uh, you know, your your classic, the, your bake sales and cookie sales, you know, but those are a lot, those tend to be a lot of work, I you know, depending on people's connections and how much time they want to spend with it. But, you know, I think, I think something that's an ongoing, um, yeah. ongoing thing that just becomes a little bit a part of the culture of the club. Okay, well, I, you know, instead of recycling something here, it's going to go to the club sale and, and it becomes a habit. We did one of the best fundraisers we ever did for our juniors was to hold a junior disco. It was for under 15. So you had to be at least 12 and less than 15. So it's very tight age group. And we would get a DJ in. We would get the own, older juniors to staff the bar where they served non-alcoholic multicolored cocktails. Tickets were £10 each. And we'd have a couple of parents on the door who would check tickets. And then the kids would sell tickets around their schools because at the club I was at then, there were, um, we didn't have any schools as part of the club, 
and the juniors who rode there came from a lot of different schools and that was a really successful event and we'd run them two or three times a year on a friday night or something i mean it was it was it was a it became a really big thing for local kids to go and meet other kids and get dressed up and you know have a dance and stuff um so that well, that was good well one thing um i think raffles honestly could be can be quite successful for rowing clubs because oftentimes it it may be difficult to get a cash donation from a local business or sponsors but most of your local businesses or other rowing companies are often willing to donate merchandise and if you if you run a raffle that your members your members sell tickets to the raffles or the or tickets are available online with a little bit of effort, I think you can approach a number of rowing businesses and they will often be happy to donate a gift certificate for something or clothing or parts for your boat, for example, like maybe Orlocks or something like that. But, you know, I think you you can totally. usually, you know, almost every time I approached a rowing company back when, when I was a competitive athlete, raffles were one of a the main fundraisers that I did. And I would contact many rowing companies. And honestly, every single rowing company was willing to do something, whether it was donating a t-shirt or clothing or a gift certificate or books or all, all different types of things. And I also lived in Vermont. So Vermont had a lot of, a lot of products, Cabot cheese and Green Mountain coffee and gift baskets and <coughs> excuse me they would donate these things for raffles that's a really really successful thing and definitely worth doing and, and echoes my own um personal you know experience where i i did a raffle for a regatta a couple of weeks ago exactly the same thing people were incredibly generous offering to uh, re-sleeve blades that was a really good prize um yeah now our sponsor today is um, King Kong Bags. Fitness is a journey and we found the perfect companion for every step of the way. Imagine a seriously tough training partner that's guaranteed to keep you on your game. You'll never skip a session. It's always there to level up your motivation and will even organize your life and hold all your workout gear for you. Meet King Kong Bags, the toughest gym bags in the game. You can drag them around, pack them to the max, and take them on the toughest of adventures with confidence they aren't going to rip or stretch. All King Kong bags are decked out with all the pockets and compartments you'll ever need. We're talking shoe compartments, laptop sleeves, multiple bottle pockets, wet zones for your towel, pockets for your gym accessories, meal prep storage, and even a unique weightlifting belt attachment. If you take your training seriously, you will need a serious gym bag too. Ready to pack for greatness? Take their quiz and let the pros match you to your perfect gym bag. And you'll also score a $10 off discount. Just head to knkg.com forward slash rowing chat. Not convinced? Buy it, pack it, take it to the gym. Let's 
get chalk all over it. And if it doesn't live up to the hype <laughs> of being the number one gym bag of 80,000 plus fitness freaks around the world, return it for a full refund. No questions asked. Make sure you use knkg.com forward slash rowing chat for our exclusive $10 off discount. Back to fundraising. There are two more specific fundraising types which are quite good earners. Uh, the first is a learn to row, particularly an adult learn to row, because the opportunity to recruit as well as teach people is great. I have found uh, that we can charge $300 a head for six sessions, uh, which seems to be roughly the going rate for sweep or sculling. And at the end of it, out of every 10 people who take part, two or three may be interested in joining the club. And the others really were genuinely just there to learn, to experience it. Maybe, you know, to say it's a bucket list thing that they've now ticked off. Um, and so I've learned not to be disappointed when people don't want to continue with the group. Um, but learning to row is a very good thing if you live in a town that has either a local radio station or a local newspaper or a free newspaper that people read. You can advertise it because people will only travel a certain distance for something like this. We are considering um there's a, a big office park not far from where our club is uh, like it's a walk not not a drive and we're considering approaching the tenants in the office park you know to see if they might like to do it because being able to do some exercise at lunchtime you know in the summer that's that's quite pleasant so people don't have to get up early they don't have to sacrifice their weekends that maybe this could be a um, a weekday uh, thing um, but learning, learning, regular learn to row classes are the lifeblood of every club. There are very few clubs, usually the very high performance ones, who can afford not to offer a learn to row. And it's, it's if you can ring fence your um, target audience, sorry, speaking marketing speak here, um, <laughs> it, it makes it more appealing. And a particular audience that I commend you is the parents of the junior rowers. So children who are already rowing do a special learn to row just for their parents. I've just completed one of these. And the nice thing is that they all know each other already. So there's, you know, there's not a lot of getting to know you and anxiety about, you know, who, who will be on the course with me. It's like, People will go because they'll go because their friends are already going. So I I just think that's a it's brilliant. And if anybody wants to get a good uh, structure for how to organize those sessions, buy Volker Nolte's book, Masters Rowing. There is a whole chapter in there written by his co-author Wolfgang Fritsch which explains the exact process he uses to teach sculling. Um, and you can easily adapt that to sweep. So I, I definitely think that that's um, a, a, a good place to start. And now a subgroup of learning to row, which is corporate rowing or rowing for team building type activities. Um, 
there's a very enterprising man um, in our club who started a business doing this. And he started by teaching it to the MBA students at the local university because team building is, you know, part of corporate life. And so he he took an entire class mm-hmm. of, of MBA students out in three eights on our on our local lake. Um, and, and, you know, total top take my hat off to him for, for having the, you know, the genius to see that that was a really great captive audience because the university paid, the people participated because it was part of their course um, and, you know, a, a good learning experience. And I know that there are professional organizations that do things like one day corporate rowing um, challenges and things like that. Um, but I've also heard from a club in in Bacargill here in in New Zealand who run an annual corporate rowing event and they're a it's a reasonably small town I'm 200 maybe 140,000 people so it's not a particularly big place there are two town rowing clubs and one of them runs the corporate rowing and it's not exclusively for beginners it's for anyone and they get a very large number of participants I've heard that they get up to 30 crews entering from different businesses in and around the area. And they do it in early spring, leading up to a one day regatta, which is just for those participants. It's not, you know, part of part of a bigger regatta. Um, but it's a it's a very, very good fundraiser for their club. So um, I, I, the, the thing that I think they get so right is they get the young people in the club to each of them is a coach manager for each of the corporate rowing crews. And the crews have 10 people in them so that they can allow for absences and, and so on. And for for their part in you know agreeing to coach them, these people get a substantial discount on their membership dues for the year, which I can see that as being, you know, quite appealing, you know, having several hundred dollars obviously in payment but also it's it's deliberately netted off against your against your club fees that sounds like a lot of fun and you know if you live in a in a city where there are a lot of potential businesses for example i mean imagine in some place like boston <laughs> that oh. you you could you could start a corporate corporate rowing league actually i mean your club could wow. start a corporate rowing league and um in St. John's, Newfoundland, where they have the regatta day in August. Yeah, that that is sort of it, it's rowing, but it's a little bit non-traditional rowing because they race they race sixes um, on regatta day. However, the the model would work for something like this. You essentially you create a community. You could create a community rowing league, corporate rowing league, and um, you know the different businesses might have their teams and you have somebody to coach them and they train for an event at the end of, at the end of the season. So that is something that, that could definitely, you know, you could organize practices and, you know, there, Mm. there's definitely some work involved. However, you know, it, as we say, it can be quite a good seasonal, seasonal Mm. fundraiser for introducing rowing to new people or you know and if it goes from year to year you're probably going to develop 
businesses, just like you would baseball teams or football teams yeah. or soccer teams. You know, you, you develop local leagues, basketball teams, and then different companies have leagues. So, I mean, rowing is, is definitely well suited for something like that, especially with AIDS. And, uh, you know, I think that could be quite, quite a good fundraiser and kind of leads up to a fall event or an end of the season event. Paul Webster says Mosman Rowing Club in Sydney, Australia, used this model and it works great. He says, however, a corporate key backer is key. That's really good to know, Paul. Thank you. Um, really appreciate that. Uh, so one of the things that I am thinking that if you are going to do a corporate rowing thing, you don't have to just do it alone in your club. If there is another club in the region, do it together because then you can share the equipment. Um, this club told me that they needed six eights to run the regatta because their river can allow three boats to race side by side. So three are racing and three boats are on the bank switching a crew out and a crew in. Um, and I thought that was quite an important thing, um, yeah, to, uh, to, 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 to know that you need enough equipment. Back to Paul, who says Mosman used the corporate regatta model, but sustaining key corporate clients are key and a diversity of corporates will ensure longevity. Paul, great. Thank you. That's that's really clear um, and really helpful. And I wonder if um, if you guys are going to be doing it again in the spring uh, this year after after COVID obviously stopped us doing a lot of these fun additional things. Yes. And aside from something like corporate rowing or learn to row that the club that the club runs look at your membership talk with your membership and find out what resources they have because perhaps one of the members is the owner of a restaurant or perhaps someone owns a theater or perhaps somebody owns a space where um, you you could sponsor a particular event and I knew we were going to be talking about this today. And in our local local magazine that came out, it's a free free magazine, there, there was an article about our library that is going to be, they recommend their a certain book of the month. And in this case, they, they've teamed up with the local theater and they're mm -hmm. going to be staging this book on stage you know, in a few months oh, time. Oh. And then, so, so this play of the book that the library is sponsoring is, is going to be staged at a local theater, which is serving as a fundraiser for the new renovations of the library. And, mm. and as I was reading that, I thought, well, you know, that's an interesting idea because clubs that have many members, especially adult members often have businesses. Does your club have a space that it can rent? I mean, this is a big um, fundraiser for clubs. If you've got a, a large area or a large yeah. room that could be a banquet room, I mean, if you have, a, if you have a, a kitchen off of it for caterers to work from, that can be a substantial form of income for the club to rent the space for banquets, for special events. If you're in a, on a scenic river, weddings, um, you know, so so if you're designing your club and you're if you're going to build a new boathouse, think about creating a space that 
looks over the river is a very nice setting because that can become a, a very important fundraising space for cocktail parties, for banquets, for weddings, for any type of special events and, and something that the um, organizers of that event can bring in caterers and they have a kitchen to work from to deliver food and, and clean up. But, you know, that, that is something significant for, for a club mm. that can really help sustain, sustain a club. And you mentioned looking at what your local resources are, government grants, depending oh, yeah. where you, depending where you live, your province or your state may offer certain types of grants for certain types of sports activities. Mm. And I know in Canada, there, there are a lot of um, national and provincial types of sports funding programs that are matching grants or are grants available for a club that serves this age community. group. Yeah, this mm. age group or this community, and they can apply for a certain amount of funds to help them buy equipment that can be used yeah. for equipment. So you may, depending where you live, your state or your your province may have different types of grants that, that are available. And, and as you said, you know, even if it's a $500 grant here and there or a matching mm. grant, it could be something that buys you a set of oars or something that uh, services the the motor or contributes to a new launch, but all of the expenses that that clubs have. I going back to your thing about the resources of the members. The best one I ever heard of was: Do you remember when the TV show Glee was quite new? The lead actor, um, she was the the woman who was the sports teacher who was kind of a bit nasty in the show. She was a rowing parent. And this rowing club did the most marvelous variant of a raffle. And it's, um, <laughs> you you make up a lot of envelopes, some of which have prizes in them. So it's just, it's just a, a bunch of envelopes and they, they drop it from a great height and then people run to snatch the envelopes and, and have they won something. And this woman did it out of a helicopter. So not only did you have the celebrity <laughs> appearance and you know autographs and things like that they also had this raffle drop from a helicopter run by this this hosted by this glee actor and so you know definitely do ask your um your community because i have in the past one of one of the kids i used to coach his godfather visited one day just to see him rowing and this guy was a hollywood actor in the um star Trek series. Oh, like, oh my goodness! Like, if we'd known that little, that you know, his godfather was this Hollywood actor, you know, we might have been able to, you know, get I don't know some memorabilia and, like you say, and put it onto um, an online auction site. To anyway, it was definitely definitely worth asking. Do you know anybody famous, or or have you got any resources? And going back to your idea about using the club rooms, um, obviously you need to tidy out the uh, ergs and the gym equipment, but rowing clubs nearly always have a fabulous view and they're very good for corporate mm -hmm. off-sites and so when I was in London we um, we definitely have hosted businesses who wanted to go somewhere and have private meetings for a whole day not in the office 
Um, oh, Paul's still watching us. He says, great shout on venue hire. Designing so the events happen without impacting training is really useful. Dropping out, but final comment, he says, movie nights are great. We just did Maverick and it was <laughs> cracking. Finally, rowing waters tend to make great triathlon courses. Ah, oh, Paul, you're my man. That is fantastic. They can make fundraising opportunities as well. Well, thank you very much for, for joining us and for those great ideas. Um, yes, I've definitely seen uh, triathlon, open water swimming, you know, being a, a newish sort of sport. Um, yeah, def definitely worth looking at, at all of these things. Talking about movie nights, we did a variant which was in the UK. Everyone is very keen on rugby from January through to March, and it's the uh, Six Nations. England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, France and Italy. And so every two weeks they have an international game and it was usually on either a Saturday or a Sunday. And what we used to do was bake a whole load of potatoes, make some some chili sauce, uh, not chili sauce, chili con carne to go with it. And we would have a we'd put it on, put the rugby on the big screen, encourage people to stay around after they had finished their rowing and just have a meal and enjoy watching the match together. And we we actually had a bar as well. So we were able to open the bar for alcoholic drinks as well. But um, that was that was great fun. But Paul, before you go, I want to know if you watch Maverick, what is your <laughs> call sign? Because I watched it and I've decided I am Vixen, just just in case anyone wants to, you know, give me a new alter ego. <laughs> Fantastic. I think we have really nailed a lot of different fundraising ideas today for rowing clubs. Don't forget, if you do want to sort of check in and ask specific questions about your own situation, uh, we have the Faster Masters Rowing Concierge service. It's at our website, fastermastersrowing.com forward slash concierge. You can book a 20 minute slot to talk about the challenges that that you're facing and we have talked to people about things like club strategy about things like learning to row about things like fundraising and we've also talked to individuals about their own personal challenges someone looking to find an accountability partner someone facing some mental health challenges but wanted to work through them using rowing as their mode to work through them someone else having a little bit of a political battle inside their rowing club and um, we don't you know, claim to have all the answers by any stretch, but we do have a lot of experience and we can sometimes make some suggestions. In fact, a good one recently was someone who had a medical condition and was seeking out other people who had the same medical condition. And so we referred them to the Masters Rowing International Facebook group where they put their post up and there were several other people who were able to both either offer advice as, as as medical professionals but secondly people who had experienced the same condition and had some advice to offer in the context of uh, going into that particular thing so again we're we're a community self-evidently and we really hope that um you know you can make use of the wider community for things that are happening to you in your life because Rowing is very much an ebb and flow sport. You know, sometimes things go easily and sometimes they just don't go so easily. And I think that's where having a, a like-minded community of, of friendly folk from around the world may be helpful.
Absolutely. Could I add in one last fundraising thought before we sign off? Just little little thought. Think about little catchy creative things. For example, if your club, you're say you're going to to do a mailing for fundraising, think of things like we need to buy a new set of oars. Each oar takes 5275 strokes per year at our club. Would you, you know, and we need to raise this much money. Would you sponsor five strokes? Would you sponsor 10 strokes? Would you, we need to raise money for a boat. This boat will be rowed X number of times, which is going to cost us $32.35 per outing at the club. Would you sponsor one outing? So that could be another direct mail strategy. If you have a mailing Mm. list that you use for fundraising that ask could you sponsor one outing for this boat to go out on the water for the club? Or, and, you know, look at, look at little things like mm-hmm. this where somebody says, yeah, you know, we, we sponsored, we sponsored the row on, on uh, May 26th and we sponsored the row on July 4th and we sponsored the row because sometimes, again, that's one of those little often type fundraisers mm-hmm. that, that, that appeals to someone that, wow, I sponsored the senior women's aid to go out and practice on August 6th. So, you know, that, that might be something that people say like, wow, I did that. And maybe you invite the person who sponsored the crew to row that day to come out in the launch. So, you know, if you're, if you're kind of um, sending messages out to your fundraising audience who may not all be members of the club, that might be another way to um, entice them to support the club and feel like they're taking part in the club and, um, you know, sponsor a crew for a day or sponsor, sponsor five strokes of this ore for this year, something like that. I've seen that done with buildings where you bought a brick. Mm-hmm. Same idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this has been Faster Masters Rowing Radio, the show dedicated to giving masters athletes fun, fitness and friendship through our mutual sport. It has been a delight having you with us. And till next time. Bye bye.